Hey friends, welcome to Eat, Pray, Hustle podcast. I'm Marielle Senny-Settles and I am taking over. I'm a business owner, a mama, a licensed esthetician, and a self-development enthusiast. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about all things food, spirituality, success. There's no limits, so let's talk about it all. It's going to be a good one. podcast is brought to you by Skinology Skin and Body Studio, a licensed massage establishment in Northwest Tucson and a full-service aesthetic salon. We are your one-stop shop for lashes, skin care, and massage. Our licensed estheticians and massage therapists have years of experience, and we were recently nominated for Best Spa and Massage. Book today at SkinologyTucson.com. I've got a boss lady here. Danielle Gartner Defer, owner of Baker Street Skincare. Welcome. Thank you so much. Hello. Hello. And congrats on your recent wedding. Thank you. Tell me what it was like to just elope the two of you to Hawaii and not invite a single soul. It was amazing. I honestly, 10 out of 10. Like I would recommend it to anybody in the world. And we did it. It was like a hybrid elopement. So we knew we, we had been engaged for like two and a half years and COVID sort of, you know, put the kibosh on our wedding plans. And we decided in April that we're like, hey, we should do this. And so we gave ourselves 30 days and we planned a complete Maui vacation getaway. And we were up in the mountains, we were four wheeling, we saw dolphins, we went on catamarans and snorkeling. And then at the end of the week, we had a private little ceremony on the beach and it was beautiful. It was- I saw the pictures, they were beautiful. Was the family pissed? No, honestly, no. Everyone was like, thank God. <laughs> they were like, do you? They're like, just t- send us pictures. You know, we, we wish you well. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think everyone's like kind of over having like the like the rigmarole of weddings and all the like the obligation and then just social interaction. I don't know. But... And the big party, the obligation. Yes, yes. Right, it is a pain mm-hmm. in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your background in education. I know you do some work for U of A or you used to. Mm-hmm, I used to. Yeah, so um, I'm a U of A grad and um, I started my career at the U of A in, um, in research regulation basically. And so um, I worked at the university for about nine years, um, and I still work in research, but I work currently for a company that's based on the East Coast. And my background is research regulation and human subjects protection. So making sure that research projects that are carried out are carried out in a way that's ethical and that's aligns with the research laws in this country. And so that we have safe, sound data and that you know can be replicated for future studies. Was this the foundation for your company, Baker Street Skincare? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about Baker Street Skincare. Yeah. So, um, well, I should tell you a little bit about me to explain about Baker Street for um, the fact that I have a chemical sensitivity. And it's something that, that I discovered about eight years ago, just randomly out of the blue. I developed these like pretty intense rashes on my forehead and scalp. And it was wild. Like it came out of nowhere. And I had no idea what it was. And um, so I would just, you know, I would start the week, I would put on my makeup, I would put on all my hair products and I'd go to work. And as the week went on, my face and my skin got worse and worse and worse. And I wasn't understanding what was happening until this would happen like every week that I went back to work on a Monday. And I just said, I am doing this to myself. There is something in my daily routine 
that is ruining my skin <laughs> that I am reacting to. And so the only thing I could think to do was to pull out every product that I had used in those last couple of weeks. I set it on my counter and I turned them all around and I just started reading the backs, like just what is in these products. And the one chemical that was in every single one was called DMDM Hydantoin, which is a preservative. Um, it's also a formaldehyde releaser. It's a derivative of formaldehyde. And as I started looking more and more into it, I found that a ton of people have sensitivities to these formaldehyde derivatives. Um, and it causes skin rashes, it causes headaches, it can cause like autoimmune flare-ups, it's a known carcinogen. And it sort of was like the wildest thing to me, especially coming from this world of research regulation where everything is controlled, everything is watched out for, where you're constantly looking out for the vulnerable and you're taking, you're trying to make sure people are taken care of appropriately. And then just to know that, whoa, there's all these like really bad chemicals that are just like widely used in this country. Um, and so that sort of started my journey of, you know, seeking out more natural skincare products, finding products that were, that, you know, didn't have any of these preservatives. And I found that it was really difficult to do. Like I kind of went full, like straight X, like no, no chemicals for like six months, which is a very, very difficult thing to do to and like that means deodorant that means shampoo lotion face like everything like all my makeup i had to stop using and i felt great and but i smelled <laughs> <laughs> and you know i didn't i didn't look i didn't feel as good about myself as i did you know when i was using the products that i was so used to and so um you know seven years later i've been over, over these years i've been making stuff for myself that i like and I realized I wanted to make products for other people who have these chemical sensitivities. And so that's how Baker Street was born, was for, you know, me first, <laughs> just trying to find something that I can enjoy and then, you know, bringing it to the world. Amazing. So, what yeah. was product one? Product one was Quenched, which I'm now calling my nourishing face oil. But it's a it's a beautiful face oil and it smells like oranges. It's like my number one seller. It's my favorite one. And... Um, it's just a really light, simple, beautiful face oil. After that first product came out, did you know that there would be more created? Absolutely. Oh, okay. I have like, there's, so, I have so many ideas of what I want to do. It's just a matter of like executing them, you know, cause this is my side hustle. This is my side job. I do have a full-time day job. And so I work on Baker street at night or on the weekends. And, um, so it's like, there's so much in there that I want. I'm like just trying to get out. Um, but yeah, the I knew from the beginning that this was going to be something special for sure. I love it. What was the, where does the name come from? Baker Street. So I live on Baker Street. Okay. Yeah. That's cute. I like it. <laughs> I just thought it was a cute name. Yeah. And how do you decide what ingredients go into these products? So um, a, a couple different ways. Um, I I want to make sure that they're natural. I try to find um, wholesalers and, and vendors that have quality product that um, they, you know, they're certified organic or that they, if they have information on if it's cruelty free or, you know, where it was collected from. Um, and then I also use a tool called, um, it's a website called the Environmental Working Group, the, um, the EWG. And that's a good place to look up chemicals or to look up um, compounds to see what, what, what data exists for these chemicals, um, 
how safe is it? What's a known sensitivity? What's known toxicities? And so that's that's like sort of my like beacon that I go to to make sure that anything that I put inside my product that it passes like the you know the sensitivity test so to speak because it gives ratings like one to ten of how good so to speak or how bad that chemical might be for you mm -hmm. and so I always try to find things that are on the one scale <laughs> like the lowest or the safest alternatives basically wow. mm -hmm. and what is the formulation process like um, it's a lot of it's a lot of like figuring it out and you know trying trial and error I guess um, I've seen the pictures you've posted <laughs> with yeah. like your beet red face <laughs> and I'm concerned every time some of those are from other products that okay. I will not name um, some of those a lot of that is I'm so sensitive to bentonite clay oh, like yeah. next level sensitivity mm -hmm. to bentonite clay and it's it's meant to you know bring your uh, blood to the surface and it helps with skin regeneration and everything so it sort of is meant to do that but with me it's just like on steroids mm -hmm. and it's like scary <laughs> we've done a glycolic acid on your face oh my gosh many moons ago the very first time i ever came to you in like 2017 i scared mary can i swear on this by yes, the way i scared the shit out of marielle because she gave me a facial i'm this new human in front of her and you know thinking like oh i'm just you know i'll I'll give her a standard facial. And I don't know if it was that day or the next day that I broke out yeah. in whew, a rash. And, and mind <laughs> you, that was 2017. I was an esthetician for one year oh at gosh. that point. So both you're of terrified. us were kind of new to mm -hmm. skincare. So thank you for coming back. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because it was 100% me. It's me, not you, you know, and, you know, but it was, uh, yeah. Sorry well, I think that. it was a learning lesson because now when people come in, I don't go straight for the glycolic. Let's yeah. do a little hydration first and then see how Because people skin don't does. know. That's no. I mean, it's you can ask someone like, are you sensitive to this? What's but if they don't have any clue yet, then you know, you're walking in blind with them, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was traumatizing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's all good. Thank you for coming back and yes. continuing to get a facial here and there. And I always do have to use like the most gentle mm -hmm. products for you. And even still, I'll get red and but mm -hmm. like I just tell everyone it's okay it won't die it'll go away don't yeah. worry about it <laughs> so when did you decide you were going to sell this to the public so this was last year and um I actually I had a really um I had somewhat of a traumatic event happen to me last year and um I'll try to get through this without <laughs> without you know breaking down but um so I work for a company on the east coast and um I was out on the East Coast last summer uh, carrying out a research study. We were, you know, looking at at-home COVID tests, and um, one of my coworkers, she uh, she was 25, and she collapsed right in front of me. And um, I uh, I don't know much, but you know, we, there's still really no answers. But um, what I do know is that her heart stopped, and it was just her and I in the building. And um, sorry, and. You know, I called 911, I did CPR, and I, I like, I work in the biomedical field, and so I've, I have some, I have it, like, they make you have additional trainings when you work in hospitals, so I feel like I just have a, like, I'm really glad that I had that level, of that baseline knowledge, so that I could just jump right in and give her CPR and, you know, start that process, um, but she, she didn't make it, um, her, they declared her I don't know what you call it, like brain dead. And so she became an organ donor. And um, her name was Allison. And it was um, it was really, it was really traumatic for me. Sorry. And I felt like I should have done more. I could have done more, even though I was 
I mean, I've had multiple people tell me the opposite. They're like, are you kidding? Like, you were her angel. You were the one there who gave her a chance to become an organ donor. You, you know, you made it so, like, her family had an answer. They, they had a story. They knew that, like, someone was with her the whole time. And, you know, it was an empty building. It was a Friday. Like, she very easily could not have, you know, been found until the following few days. And so, um, but I had this feeling of, like, I don't know, guilt or shame or survivor's guilt. I'm not sure, but it all sort of manifested into I need to be doing something more with my life. I need to be doing what I enjoy um, because literally tomorrow I could not be here. And it was like how quickly like a young 25 girl, a 25 year old girl, I watched her, you know, she died in my arms and it was just kind of eye-opening and it makes you kind of reprioritize what you want to be doing with your life. And um I had I've had this career for a long time and I've I've done well with it and I've I've enjoyed my career but it it doesn't it doesn't give me the same level of fulfillment and um I don't know meaning <laughs> that I would have liked it to and so um but going into this realm into Baker Street with um you know with my background in research regulation and knowing what I know about the, you know chemical regulation in this country this sort of like I realized, like, is this where my my beliefs and my expertise intersect with, like, chemical regulation? And how do we change this country in terms of what is allowed to be available to consumers and what's not? You know, like, in Europe, for instance, they ban over, like, 1,400 chemicals. In the United States, they ban 11. And that's a lot. I mean, like, if you think the sheer number of chemicals that are, like, presented to us on a daily basis is... Um, it's pretty ins insane. And these companies, they clean up their products to sell in Europe. So it is possible we can have safer products, but we're not there yet. And so I wanted to be a part of this realm and I wanted to make a difference in this space. And um, that's how Baker Street was formed. That was a really dark moment <laughs> Yeah, where you kind of turned it into such a positive thing. And in a way you're honoring Allison. Yeah. What does that feel like? Like, what is? Well, now you're really going to make me cry. <laughs> but um, I'm proud. I'm I'm happy. I, you know, it's it's hard to like talk positively about yourself sometimes, or it's hard to like look at yourself and what you're doing and think like, oh, this is so great. Where like it's always like hindsight. You look back and like, oh, that was. I'm really glad that I went through all of that. It's almost like. I'm still sort of in too much in the weeds to be able to fully like comprehend the the like fundamental shift that's happened in my life this last year. But um, I will say that, you know, I live my life, I'm living my life now in a way that maybe you could say, like I always wanted to, where I, I only do things that I, because I want to do them, not because somebody else wants me to do them or, I'm only bringing in people or I'm only allowing people into my world that are, you know, going to bring positivity or happiness or like some sort of constructive behavior. Like I, it's like I don't have time for any of the other mess that comes with life. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like it's very freeing. It's very um, to just not care about things that you've historically cared about for so long that have like, you know, always been in the back of your mind. It's just like to you know, I, I think I just like set a lot of that down last year and it was really freeing. Wow. 
So you decided it was going to be a business Mm -hmm. after going through the trauma and like making positive changes Mm -hmm. from it. What was the first step in establishing a business? Well, what I, well, I don't know if this is like the true, what you're supposed to do first step, but I created an Instagram and which I feel like everyone, like if you don't have an Instagram these days, a lot of businesses, like you don't get the exposure, especially when you don't have a brick and mortar. And so I started my Instagram, I created a website, you know, I did all of the, where you get a business license and I got all of those all of the like the TPT tax, like all these things that I had never heard about and had no idea that existed, um, you know. So paperwork and Instagram, <laughs> I guess. Instagram is definitely a good number one because yeah. of marketing. Mm-hmm. I don't think people know about TPT. Can you explain that? Oh gosh, I can barely understand it. It's <laughs> like a transaction privilege tax in this in Tucson, yes. and um. So like even when you make sales, if you you can apply sales tax and, you know, city and state sales tax, then you you still pay that on your taxes, but then you pay Tucson separately. I, I don't know. Tucson, Basically, it's giving a chunk of your earnings to pay taxes okay. for products sold. Okay. Yeah. In addition to state and city taxes? Yes. Man. I know. It's rough. So when did the business become profitable? become profitable well that's hard to say because you know the first year well I mean I made a I made an initial investment um, with my own money and some of it went on credit cards and I I knew going in I was like look I have to to get started you have to make an investment and you know I believe in myself because I'm I'm the author you know I I believe in the next chapter because I'm the author type thing and so I just decided to you know put some money in and so from that initial investment every other purchase um, or sale like it's all been kind of contained within my business account and so every purchase that I, I can't make purchases for new products or new like oils or bottles until I make sales you know what I mean so I've sort of I have sort of limited myself to like okay you put in this initial investment and now let's see how far you can get with you know, keeping the business how it operates the way it currently is. So the profit you're generating is going back yeah. into the business. It's going immediately back in. That's the way yeah. to do it. And your husband was okay with you spending chunks of money on this new business. He absolutely. was all for it. Oh, absolutely. He's okay. he's like the most supportive person in the world. And he believes in me like unreservedly. And it's like almost like to the point where I'm like, okay, calm down. <laughs> like nobody believes in me that much, but he does. And bless his heart. He's just like this the greatest guy and he's there with me every step of the way and you know at night when I don't want to make products in the um because I I make products out of my kitchen and so when I don't want to make products at like 11 p.m I'll ask him I'll be like can you just sit in the kitchen with me you can just scroll on Instagram but I just need another human next to me thanks and then he's like fine (laughs) that is the sweetest and you brought him in for a facial the first month you guys were dating and he told me he was gonna marry you right then and there it was like it was like way too soon to even be we knew we knew we knew within six days like it's i know i know and you know you hear these stories and i i used to like roll my eyes at stuff like this but it's like it's real man and it's just He's the best. He is. Love yeah. you, Matt. I, I think it was like two weeks in or something. He came mm-hmm. for a gentleman's facial yep. that you booked for him. And he was like, yeah, that's my future wife. That's who I'm uh, going to marry. Yeah. 
And I'm like, okay, you know, I don't, I don't repeat anything that goes on in the treatment room, but I knew, mm-hmm. I knew like when he was going to propose, yeah. I knew when he was looking at rings, I knew that <laughs> you were the one, I just, you know, I just zip it. Man, estheticians, you guys get all the dirt, you all get all the, the tea. Yeah, absolutely. Every time I used to come in and talk, like for our appointments, I just, I feel like I ramble and I don't know if it has something to do with like because you're laying down, your eyes are closed, you're not looking at another person. And I feel like I talk your ear off. Is that how it is with everybody? We hear it all. Yeah, okay. I think it's just a super relaxing space, yeah. but we're here for it. Yeah. So what's the hardest part about running this skincare company? Honestly, is the hardest part is just doing, like executing all of the ideas that I have in my mind. It's almost like so chaotic that some days I don't know how to, like, it's like drinking from a fire hose. It's like so overwhelming some days and you don't know where to start first. Um, but then other days it's like it flows really freely and it comes really naturally. And I'll make like three products in one day, like three brand new products in one day. And I'll be like, oh, my God, these were all amazing. And so I think it's also just giving yourself the grace and the freedom to like when things ebb and flow. I think it's just a natural part of the creative process. Like you're not going to be creative every moment of the day and every day of the week. Um but the days that you are, like ride it, ride that wave for as long as you can, and then allow yourself to rest and go with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the the downtime is important because it gives you an opportunity to have more ideas and mm-hmm. to be creative. Yeah, so that's something I always recommend. Do you have any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs? Just do it. You know, if you have the idea, if you have even an inkling of maybe I want to, just do it. Like there is literally. N- nothing to lose except for looking back and saying, I wish I would have. And, you know, my grandpa, he always used to say the saddest phrase in in the English language is, I wish I would have done this or I wish I could have. And it's like, don't let it get to that point. If you have, like, you know that you have the drive within you, just start. And it doesn't have to be perfect. That was, that's that's the thing that I'm working on (laughs) is being okay with the imperfections and the not everything looking 100% polished because what I've learned, at least in my brief period of having Baker Street, is people do not notice the mistakes that you point out in your own head. You know what I mean? And so things that I'm like, that was dumb looking or like I'll – no one's ever going to like that. And, you know, I put it up and it, it'll like get Im- immediately get 50 likes and I'll get three orders. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, like if I just get on my own damn way and like stop limiting myself, then, you know, I do, I do all right, you know? And it's then, so it's like, oh, maybe I'm not, okay. I, it's like trusting yourself yeah. a little bit more. And, I like that. Yeah. Get out of your own way mm-hmm. and then execute and adjust after. Yeah. Show up for yourself. Do the thing, like do the work in the, you know, obviously these things don't just happen overnight, but um, show up for yourself. And that's, that's also something that I've, I've been trying to work on this last year is like forever. I'll show up for people all day, every day. I'll, I was a great friend, a great neighbor, you know, great girlfriend for a very long time. And then but what I realized in this last year is I never showed up for myself. And it's because I was so busy showing up for other people. And so it was like striking that balance of knowing when it's appropriate to say, to just like step back from other people. And then when it's time to step up for yourself. And this past year has been like a real like game changer in that sense for me. So I'm glad to watch it and I'm glad to witness Thank it you. and glad to be a part of it. Thank you. 
how do we start a side hustle? What is step one in starting Gosh. a side hustle? Let's give advice. Step one, starting a side hustle. Well, I guess you need a, na- a like, what is it? A brand. A brand. Um, a, a logo or a name, I guess that goes along with branding. What is it? Who's your audience? Um, that was a big question for me. At first, I was like, well, everybody. Everybody has chemical sensitivities, and I didn't want to be, like, to inclusive or you know or exclusive and but then over the last couple months it's very obvious my audience are like women between the ages of 30 and 45 (laughs) like that is my audience and so um you know tailoring your products to know who's buying your products who who's your competition like you don't need to focus too much on them but it should be you should be aware of who else is in this space and what other products exist in this space um I don't know. What did you do? I kept my nine to five. That's right. Until my business was ready to to go and to be its own thing that would be profitable. How long was that? It was at least two and a half years to three years. I did both jobs. I remember. Yeah. You're a beast. (laughs) You used to work like nine to five and then go to school till like 10 p.m. Yeah. or something. Yeah. It was a whole thing. I would say to keep that parachute. Yeah. Keep the money coming in one way or another. Mm-hmm. That would be my yes. advice to starting a side hustle. Mm-hmm. So I want to chat about imposter syndrome mm. because I had to drag you on this podcast <laughs> first and foremost. <laughs> and I have your quote here. You said, I don't think I'm a good person to be on this podcast. I'm not an expert on anything. Yeah. That's what you said to me when I asked you. So I'm like, all right, let's look into this imposter <laughs> syndrome, a psychological occurrence in which individuals doubt their skills, talents, and accomplishments, and they have a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Yeah. Rough. How do we cure imposter syndrome? I don't know, man. I mean, I've been working with a therapist on this for a very long time, um, and a lot of it comes from its self-worth. It's like not, it's, it's stems, I'm sure it stems from childhood trauma and, you know, how you're treated in your life. You internalize these things and you tell yourself these things. It's our brains telling us these things. These are not, more often than not, other people do not believe these things about us. It is all us. And so it's, you literally just have to change the narrative in your brain. Like, I know that sounds cliche and that's, that's like overplayed, but it is, that's how you do it. You have the, when you say like, oh, I'm so fucking stupid. Like you stop saying those things to yourself. You just, you have to eliminate it from your vocabulary because the more you have those thoughts, the more the brain, like if the brain's a muscle and if you think a certain way, it's going to continue thinking that way. And the only way it's going to think a different way is if you think a different way. And Change. so, yeah, you have to make that. It's a conscious effort. And even even as I'm like on this journey myself, I still have days where I feel like an absolute like bobo. And I'm like, no one's going to want to talk to me. I've, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't have a degree in this. And so you feel less than and like people are going to look down on you. I don't know. You didn't want to tell me about your skincare company because yeah. I'm an esthetician. Because I, yeah, I didn't want, because it's like, 
because I'm not an esthetician and I didn't I just felt like it might be viewed as like what is she doing in this lane this get out of your stay in your lane Danielle (laughs) (laughs) it's like and which is silly now obviously because you're the best and you've been super supportive and like I I view you as a person who like like I I have things I want to bring to you to like get your input and your expertise and it's just you know getting out of your own damn way that's what it is like I it's when you limit yourself you are preventing you're you're limiting all the opportunities that are coming around you and so I just have to stop doing that I feel like it's the (laughs) devil that's what I call devil. it. It's the devil yeah. putting those like bad negative thoughts in your head, mm. telling you you're not good enough. Yeah. There's this book. It's one of my favorites. It's called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Mm. And in this book, it's basically a man and the devil having conversations. Mm-hmm. And this man somehow courses the devil into telling him all his secrets. And you've got to listen to it on Audible. Okay. And it's more powerful on Audible because it has, like, the actual devil voice, which is a little freaky. Uh, don't listen to it at night. It will freak you out. Don't listen to it anytime it's dark. But it's such a great book. It's one of my favorites. It's up there in, like, top five. Outwitting the Outwitting devil. the devil. Hmm. Interesting. So, okay. yeah, back to imposter syndrome. Yeah. So what is next for Baker Street? What's next? We are continuing to grow. Um, I'm adding new products. I'm testing a ton of products right now. Um, and I'd love to have a brick and mortar one day. And ultimately, I would love it to be like like a household brand where, you know, I want to sell cleaning supplies and laundry supplies, you know, all, all of the things that you can think of that have chemicals in currently um, and things that you use in your daily life. Um, I want to, ha- you know, the brand itself is very like, I don't know, I want to say it's just conscious of our impact on the environment. You know, I use glass bottles. I try to use biodegradable packaging. And so I want the brand to con- to be able to grow in a way that I can continue that. And But that isn't always as easy to scale up. And so it's just, you know, slow and steady, like knowing what my end goal is and like sticking with my current like I don't know if it's like my my mission, which is to create safe skin without having a large impact on the environment. And so I, I don't want to have plastic containers. I don't want to have because that's cheap and easy and quick. And so um, and I don't fault anybody who does because I understand it. But I'm trying to, you know, if I'm going to start this, I want to do this the way I want to do it. And so slow and steady for these next. I'm giving myself two years to really, really get to a point where I can um open a brick and mortar. I can have enough of, um, I don't know, like, would you call it like a reputation or people know me or like they've used my products, they trust my brand, um, that so that they would then commit to a full, you know, like home brand because right now it's just skincare, but there's so many things that I want to make and there's so many things that I'm interested in. You know, I was my first customer. And so that's sort of how I how I look at this it's like what do I want to make and right now this you know the sky's the limit but it's just the limit is time and money (laughs) and so I love that you're doing this and I'm super happy for you and I've dabbled with the idea of doing a skincare company but I don't want to do any of it yeah so I like (laughs) messaging you and being like hey can you make me Uh something that has hemp oil jojoba oil this scent this this custom tailored and you make it happen yep so it's really 
I'm very excited for you. And oh, I think this you. is like an awesome thing. Thank you. Um, which product should we start with? Oh, so my favorite is Quenched, which I'm, again, I've, I've took out that name. Maybe I should keep it, but Quenched Nourishing Face Oil. That's just a beautiful face oil. I use it every day. And then the Arizona Rain is everyone's favorite. It smells like the desert during a rainstorm. It has creosote, aloe, um, and it's a beautiful face toner. Um, those those two are probably where I would start. Okay. And what's next for Danielle and the family? You know, just we're living our lives. Layla is 13. She's in eighth grade. And so she'll be going to high school next year. We're, you know, trying to figure that out. And we're newly married. And, we're, you know, we're not going to have, we're not having any more kids. And so it's just living our lives and settling into this new this new chapter. I want to give you a little credit for being a super mom. Oh, goodness. All these years because you have a highly accomplished daughter oh. who speaks fluent French. Yeah. Thank you. She uh she's something. She is she's she's one of the best kids and yeah, she started she learned French when she was 3 from it was a it's a little school here in Tucson. It was a little language school and now she's completely fluent. She's in like the um what do you call it? Like the native speakers class. And I don't speak French, but my kid speaks French. It's and, incredible. Yeah. I love listening to her yeah. speak. <laughs> She's pretty cool. So how do you hope to be viewed? Um, I hope people just view me as a real person and like who has their own struggles and has their own things that they're dealing with, but they're trying to bring some good into this world and bring in some, you know, enact some some sort of meaningful change. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Just me. Where can everybody find you? Where can we connect with you? You can find me on Instagram at Baker Street Skincare. And then my website, which is just BakerStreetSkincare.com. Thank you for being mm -hmm. on. I appreciate Thank you being here. This was fun. Thank you so much. Yay.